0: I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This
1: is a joke. Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. You can follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Game Plan. I'm joined with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at TDavenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at BHoward underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes and leave us a five star rating. That's where you can find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com footballgameplan. And if you're not familiar with what a rap cypher is, it's a crowd that forms and freestyle raps as they pass the mic around to each other. Well, it's the same thing here except there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing. And we're going to kick off our NFL team previews in the cypher. And in this episode, we'll take a look at the Baltimore Ravens and some of our biggest questions heading into the 2017 season. So, Teron, I'll let you kick this one off.
2: Yeah, my question it actually starts with the quarterback position. It's the question that I have to ask because I find it ironic that uh, Joe Flacco – is saying that he wants Colin Kaepernick to get a second start, but not in Baltimore. I don't know. That kind of makes me feel like he's scared of competition. I don't know what you guys think. So I have to ask the question, is Joe Flacco elite? Uh, I, I definitely
3: don't believe he's an elite quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, you can win games, continue to win, and you can win big games with him uh however he's not one of those guys that's going to go out and routinely consistency consistently week in and week out win you football games and i also find the comments uh very very odd about the whole kaepernick situation if you are an elite quarterback in your mind you're not shying away from colin kaepernick who is allegedly on the decline so um you know if Kaepernick's skills were diminished isn't that, you know, a guy that, you know, go ahead and bring him in. Why, why not? You know, he shouldn't have a, a problem with a guy like Kaepernick coming in. So that that just struck me as odd. And, um, you know, by by no means uh, it, it, is he an elite quarterback in the NFL.
4: You know, it's it's pretty interesting that you bring this up. I actually am in the process of completing my quarterback rankings, top 25 in the league. And Joe Flacco's closer to 25 than he is to five. You asked a question outside of just your main one of whether or not he's elite. Is he scared of competition? Well, let's go back and ask Tyler Pelko whether or not Joe Flacco is scared of competition. Absolutely. So
0: if I'm Joe Flacco,
4: they're paying me money. They're paying me as a big-time starter. Colin Kaepernick coming in theoretically shouldn't bother me because one thing we've learned about NFL quarterbacks, especially if you've been paid a big check before and win the first round, you'll always have a starting job somewhere if it's not in Baltimore anymore. And to be honest, the reason that they would bring him in is because Joe Flacco, since he's gotten his money has played mediocre or below board football. His mechanics have broken down. It's become awful. And just to make it more simple, absolutely not. He's not even close to elite except for that Super Bowl run. See, I'm
1: a, I'm a defend Joe Flacco here because I don't think he's elite, but I don't think he's terrible. Um, this is a guy that, that can definitely win you games. We saw him do wonders in the playoffs. And quite honestly, since 2010, when they've gotten into the playoffs, he's been a big reason why they've had success. So he can definitely play ball. I think the biggest onus should fall on that Baltimore Ravens scouting department, as great as the Ravens are in finding defensive talent. They're in, in tight end talent, but their receiving scouting is horrible. Yeah, they're like, totally they, They're trash at receiver. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, trash may be harsh, but I think Joe Flacco. It was best when he had Steve Smith, uh, when he had uh, those tight ends working, and had a really good running game. So I think he can play well. I think he's the AFC version of Eli Manning because yeah. he's not afraid, he's not scared. I can win with him. I like his toughness, but they have to do a better job of helping them out and getting him some weapons. And they still don't have weapons out there on the perimeter. Yeah, but I
0: think he, what what you look at though with Joe Flacco is in is an incomplete picture of somebody who claims to be elite yet his performances don't yell elite and i think that's what the question is is he elite no he's not elite has he won a super bowl yes but it's been proven that you can win a super bowl with the guy who's not a top five quarterback that's one of the biggest myths in the league that you have to have a top five quarterback in order to win a super bowl and yet people keep winning super bowls without top five quarterbacks obviously without, you know, when you exclude New England from the from the pitcher. So um to me, it looks at, well, what does – what do I lose with Joe Flacco if Joe Flacco goes out? I'll wait for the answer because you don't really lose anything. I mean, he's – all right, maybe you lose some fearlessness, as he says. But other than that, I think that what you're looking at with Joe Flacco is a guy who's clearly maxed out his potential – well clearly maxed out where he's going to be and never really has truly reached his full potential but this has been a track record for joe flacco he's never liked to compete even back to even back to the college days so if you look at it from that perspective this doesn't surprise me at all
2: yeah i find it interesting that that he had these comments because yeah i mean he he ran from competition before my thing when i look at flacco uh, i think his his best year was uh, when he had Gary Kubiak. And uh, so you're looking at, what is it, 2014. And that's when they, they ran the ball really well. So for me, when, when I look at a guy like Joe Flacco, he's not a volume passer. He's not a guy that you want throwing the football 40, you know, 35 to 40 times. And I, I think when, when you say that, it, it goes more to the game manager part of things. And, and you have to have a running game in order to be successful with him. And so that tells me that he isn't a top tier quarterback. I, I've said that he was elite in the past, but looking at it from a different perspective, I, I, I have to agree he's he's not elite at this point.
3: Right, and yeah, I definitely uh, agree with you there. And then uh, I'm going go, uh, to go uh, to the other portion of the backfield there, uh, the running back position, and uh, Javoris Allen. Um, I was really high on coming out in the draft. I uh, could do a lot. Um, you know, speaking to some of his high school coaches, I mean, he's a guy that, that played some receiver in high school. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it, I guess my question is, does he simply need another opportunity and a fresh start elsewhere, or could he potentially help the Ravens this year?
4: Now, that's a great question. And he's one of those guys that I don't think people even realize he's still on the roster. With the injury to Kenneth Dixon, the uncertainty in that backfield, we know what Danny Woodhead's position is likely gonna be, third down guy, kind of a like usec role without being a, a blocker of any sort. Right. That starting role is up for grabs now. And everyone thinks Terrence West is just gonna slide in there. Well, he was uber average last year when they gave him the opportunity. Right. Uh, Lorenzo Telefaro, same thing. So, Buck Allen to me is a, a more talented runner than either of those guys, but it's whether or not you are liked by the staff and it seems like they don't want to work with him so he might need a new opportunity to give himself a chance to actually be successful but with the new with the injury to Kenneth dixon is a perfect opportunity for a step for him to step up and step into that starting role
1: i agree because you have a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield going to what brandon said about his receiver background i just find that backfield just to be a ton of kind of averageness and not in a necessarily a bad sense but in the sense that there's no game breakers. You know, I, what difference can you get from a Terrence West as opposed to a Buck Allen? You know, Buck Allen, to me, reminded me a lot of Fred Taylor when he came out of college. And it's just like, you know, they're, yeah, butt runners. You know, you look at Terrence West, he's solid. Yeah, but we can use somebody more explosive. Well, I don't think you get that with Buck Allen, although he does give you a little bit more in a, as a receiver. And I think that's what they were hoping to get out of Kenneth Dixon. But not only was he hurt, but he was also going to be suspended for the first four games as well. So I would like to see a guy like Woodhead get more carries, but he's coming off that injury. So you don't know how much explosiveness he lost with that. I think their backfield as a whole is a huge question mark going into the
0: season. Well, I mean, I think I'm, I agree with E. I think the, the backfield is a question mark for sure. I've never really been a big Danny Woodhead guy. Um, I think he has value in a in a in a backfield by committee. I don't I don't think he's a guy that you can um, look at and go, well, that's going to be my guy. Um, and because of that, it 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 puts an opportunity out there for Allen. But again, like it was said earlier, it seems as if this um, coaching staff, maybe front office, they're not really invested in giving um, Allen the shot. I think you you sent him out there because I think he has skills that um that that trans translate to the NFL. But I also have to, I mean, we say it all the time that you know GMs and coaches miss, but what are we missing that Allen hasn't gotten that shot? Um is it simply just oh well we've had running backs that that were proven commodities before him or Is it something that Allen doesn't bring to the table that other running backs bring that they like more? I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see what he does in the preseason.
2: Well, I'll say this. I was there for his first year in the league uh, with the Ravens, and he was someone that as the season went on, they gave him an opportunity. He had a pretty good game. I think it was against the Steelers. I want to say the Steelers, but he he had like 11 catches. You know, so they tried to get him the ball out of the backfield. But the biggest thing and what I've noticed with running backs and, and, and the Ravens, if you fumble, you are almost <laughs> eternally damned to a to the doghouse with, with John Harbaugh. That's true. And, and he had a fumble that season and it was it was like they never allowed him to, to turn around after that. You know, and this is the year that uh Forsett, I believe Forsett, no, he was hurt last year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, he hasn't gotten the opportunity. And then you look last year, you know, you had Terrence West as, as the quote-unquote feature back. But there were weeks where Buck Allen wasn't even active. You know, he wasn't even on the active, you know, it, which which confuses me. But then he, he had a block punt. And I, I remember he and, and, and Coach Harbaugh, uh, he he went to Harbaugh's office and, and you know, tried to lobby for a playing position and they had a disagreement. So I, I think really for Buck Allen, the best thing for him is to move on because it just, it, it's strange, but it seems like Harbaugh has never turned turned around after that fumble a couple of years ago and, and wanted to give this guy another shot. And they've brought in running back after running back. Uh, Talia Farrell has been hurt, but he's supposed to be their fullback this year. So we'll see how that situation works out. They want to use him the same way they use Kyle Juszczyk, who moved on to the 49ers. So I think really he, he just has to move on. I like his vision. I like his ability to cut back. And then, you know, his his background as a receiver, you know, he could definitely uh, do some things out of the backfield. It's just he's not getting a shot. Yeah,
3: you're again, uh, you know, you're right, TD. And uh, thanks for sharing that uh, insight on that, you know, inside information. but. uh what I don't like about a lot of coaches, and this just is at any level of football, you cannot diminish a player's confidence like that. You know, um, I, I see good running backs that occasionally will let go of the football. It happens. You know, it, it's one of those things that happens. Um, but you can't just say, okay, we're not letting you back onto the football field. Okay, so you just got a guy on your roster who you know, is beaten down, and the next time he gets on the field, he's afraid to fumble. You know, you, you got you to really pump your guys up. You got to encourage them, let them know that, hey, we're behind you. You know, just go play. Just go play ball. They know they know what they did wrong, you know. So I, I don't think that he's being handled properly, and I do think that a fresh start is in order.
4: That makes sense. And we talked about the offense so far, about Flacco in the backfield, but I want to switch to the other side of the ball. My question is, you know, with the Ravens and the way they were constructed back in the early 2000s, they were a defensive unit. Do you think they still see themselves as that defensive unit? Is that their identity?
1: I think so, man. When you look at how they draft. I mean, just this year, they draft Chris Warmly, who I thought was the best defensive lineman on uh, Michigan's front four. Tim Williams, who is a pass rushing extraordinaire. And I like Tim Williams because he looked like he liked to fight. You know? <laughs> and so you, you can't go wrong with dudes like that on your defense. Um, they took Marlon Humphrey. They – totally identify with them with the defensive side of the ball and they're they just turn over talent non-stop. I mean it seems like it goes back to the 2000 Ravens and we haven't seen a defense lack in in Baltimore offensively is a different story but I think they still identify as a defensive squad.
0: I think as long as they're constructed as they're constructed with um, the idea of running game play action, not investing heavily amount heavy amounts of money in the passing game, um, via wire receivers um and and relying more on a plethora of tight ends i think that they'll they'll continue to be a defensive or at least known for their defense i love tim williams i you guys know i thought tim williams is the best pass rusher in the draft um pure pass rusher and um i think that he's going to do wonders in that ravens defense especially the way um they get after it up front so I really look at them to have a, a a great year defensively. Um, I just question how they're going to put consistent points on the board, and because of that, you gotta still identify them as a defensive team.
2: Yeah, this team. Oh, when I look at the Ravens, man, they're constructed to win a lot of 17 to 14 games. That's, I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, they're not put together to put up a lot of points. So when when you look at the the way they've draft uh, they've drafted, but also you look at free agency you know, most of the time they're big free agents or our defensive players. And you look where a lot of their money this year went. I mean, Brandon Williams got, got the contract the year before that, Eric Weddle. So they continue to address the, the, the defense. And I think that's the focus. This is a team that wants to play that, that physical type of football, that smash mouth football. And unfortunately for John Harbaugh, they cannot establish a running game because they don't, they just haven't been able to do that since Gary Kubiak was there. And I think that's really what, what's hurting them because they need that running game of offense, and it's not there. So I would say they're definitely a defensive team. But then, you know, you look at Terrell Suggs is still there. And as long as he's there, he's going to be the, the face of that franchise. As much as people want to say uh, Flacco is, I, I 100% feel it's is, is T. Suggs. And uh, that's why they're a defensive team.
3: They're definitely a defensive team. Um, you know, and everyone has said it. Um, where are the points coming from? from this uh, Ravens team. Unfortunately, um, you know, they don't have a real run game right now. You you know, a guy that I feel like could help uh, in Buck Allen, you've totally run him down and ruined, you know, not ruined his confidence, but, you know, you've sat him on the sideline forever. And so, um, you know, you you can't really control the clock in the run game the way that you would want to. So my concern with the Ravens is are they going to, Get tired later in games because their offense may not be able to sustain drives because of a lack of a run game. Uh, that that's my concern with them. But um, we'll we'll see. You know what happens as the season go along goes along. Someone may emerge. You never know. But uh, as it stands, um, I just don't see this offense taking that next step in order for them to be the identity of the Ravens. It's definitely the defense.
4: And that all makes sense. And I agree. They should be an, a defensive team. They should be a defensive identity team it's Baltimore, it's a tough place, tough defense. It does feel like they've been pushing the Joe Flacco thing for the last half decade, and it's starting to feel a little bit more like they want it to be that offensive team and it's just not getting done. So I was just making sure I wasn't crazy on this particular one. And apparently the Ravens realized it too, and that's why they drafted all but two players they drafted this year were defensive players and the two guys they Didn't draft on defense, both played on the O-line. So they know what they have on their offensive side. I just wanted to confirm uh, my thoughts.
1: Yeah, they may be a tough city, but them crab cakes be hitting, boy. I tell you that. Uh, But my question is, and we kind of talked about this earlier, about the running game. Do they have the running game to be successful uh, in Baltimore?
0: Well, I'll take that. I think they definitely – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Gene. I think think they definitely have an opportunity to be – Successful in the running game, but they have to make a they have to make a decision. I think I've never been a big fan of Hey a couple carries for this guy a couple carries for this guy a couple carries for this guy I think that you've got to make a decision about who you're going to give a lion's share of the carries to commit to that person give them an opportunity to be successful and roll with it and I think they have some ancillary pieces around them um you know via the tight ends and and the quarterbacks' adeptness at hitting tight ends, um, or backside of the backfield to really have some success in the running game. But this, hey, this guy's going to get the carries this week. This guy's going to get the carries next week. Oh, let's just divvy the carries up, you know, five, six, seven, three, or something like that. I just don't think that's indicative to a great running game. So if they if they decide on a runner, whichever runner that is, and they give him an opportunity to be successful, I think that they can have a have some really good success in the run game.
2: Yeah, it's interesting when you look at the the running game. And for me, when I look at the Ravens, I think it's more they don't have the passing game to support the running game. Because, I mean, what threat do they have passing the you know in the passing game? They they don't have anybody that you really are going to say, hey, you know what, we got to bracket coverage on him. We we have to focus on on stopping this person from being able to to kill us in the air. And I think that's what is going to always make that running game even more suspect because, A, they don't have that guy to be the one to, to, to give him the football and expect him to, to make things happen. I mean, Terrence West is, is, you know, he's a serviceable back, but he's not that guy that, that I would want to give the football 20 to 25 times. And I don't think they have that guy on that team. So I, I don't think they have the running game to, to be successful and overcome all of the, the ways that that teams will focus on on, you know, stopping the run more than the pass.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I guess I kind of addressed this a little earlier um, with the previous question. And, um, you know, I, I don't believe they they have that guy that can kind of, you know, they can just turn the ball to especially, you know, when you go into your four minute offense to try to close out a game at the end, who are you giving the ball to? you know, in those situations. I, I don't believe that Terrence West is that guy. Um, he's more of a, a guy that can come in and spell your starter, starting running back. I, I, I don't believe that, you know, at this point, uh, Buck Allen is that guy. Um, you know, he, he's in need of a fresh start. Um, and I, I just don't see it happening. So I'm starting to wonder if um, the Ravens are gonna be able to, to play enough complimentary football on the offensive and defensive side uh to to be able to to support one another and come away with, with wins uh this season. It's gonna be very difficult. Um and I think it also uh you know that's gonna be um kind of a microcosm of uh the, the run game and, and what they may not be able
4: to achieve. Do they have the running game to be successful? No. I don't think that many NFL teams can be successful with this type of running game unless they're geared to play with the respects of, let's say, a Green Bay. You have to have an Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Even New England has a fairly efficient running game for a team that passes the ball quite a bit. I think that's more than just the players because they have talented guys up front on the offensive line who can open holes. They have decent enough running backs who should be able to run the ball effectively. I mean, Justin Forsett rushed for, what, 1,500 yards a couple of years ago? I think it's scheme and also who's calling, who, who's designing the plays. I, I think they're not putting the running backs in good enough positions. And also, I agree with Gene on this. I don't understand this running back by committee. Yes, you might have a situation where a guy's better and pass pro and catches the ball out of backfield, so you might bring him on a third down. But but why is there every other drive a new running back coming in for these teams? Let a guy you consistency you should only be spelled for fatigue or injury, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and speaking as a former runner, it's just like you know what—you never get into a groove when someone when you're you already know you're on limited carries, right? So you are thinking like all right, I got three carries, and I'm gonna come out and I better bust this one. But I just think they don't have the running game to be successful. I just I find it hard to find. Where they're gonna be able to gain yards on a consistent basis, to where you know they're gonna be a threat. I think their best threat on this team is Danny Woodhead, but again, he's coming off of an injury. Otherwise, he would have still been in in, I was about to say San Diego, but he would still been in Los Angeles with the Chargers. I just don't see where you go from let's say a Terrence West to, to Buck Allen to uh Woodhead, where you're gonna see that big of a difference. And I think ultimately it's gonna make these guys one-dimensional, a bad one-dimensional football team.
0: I, I agree, but my my question comes more via the um looking at the passing game. Um, we've already we've already I think established through what we're saying that this is in fact the defensive teams, and they're going they're going to rely on their defense heavily this year. Um, I wonder who's going to emerge as the number one receiver this year.
2: Man, that's a tough question. Yeah, that's that's a really tough question because uh I I, I really don't know who I, I don't think they have someone to be the number one receiver. Because you look at everybody on the roster, I mean there's there's whether what uh Bashar Perryman, you know, he, he's still trying to learn how to stem his routes right and, and be balanced in his in his stance. Um Macklin got there late. So I I don't know, man. Mike Mike Wallace. I, I, I would, if I had to say, I would probably say Benjamin Watson, just because Flacco has such a penchant for for going to his tight end. So um, if, if he could stand, because it, it seems like every tight end that they bring in, you know, like t- the tight end position in Baltimore is cursed, man. It, you know, you you got Dennis Pitta, frequently injured. You know, um, you got uh, Crockett Gilmore, who just had his injury, his meniscus injury, Benjamin Watson tore his ACL last year. Uh, Max Williams is just trash and, and Nick Boyle likes, you know, continues to use PED. So I, I don't know if I had to pick someone, I, I would probably pick Watson. But I mean, that's to me like picking the tallest midget.
3: <laughs> yeah, man, um, you know what, uh, I would want to go Macklin. But like you said, he did get there late and. Just look at Andy Reid's track record. He tends to get rid of players just as they're about to uh, decline. So I can't say that Macklin's going to be that guy. There's obviously something that he's seen that said, "Okay, we can afford to kind of relieve ourselves and, and, and get of you know Macklin's cap situation and you know get rid of some money there." So um, I'm going to go ahead and go with Mike Wallace. Um, you know, I think that he has a lot more football left in him, and uh, you know. He kind of wasted a few years here in Miami. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I think that, um, you know, Mike Wallace definitely has to have that breakout season uh, in Baltimore.
4: And you made an interesting point. The the answer that most people would give is Jeremy Macklin. It just makes sense. He's the most consistent receiver on this roster. But I'm going to give a kind of off-the-cuff one, and I'm going to say the guy who leads the team in receptions, i.e., the number one receiver, will be Danny Woodhead. I think you're going to see a lot of situations where they're going to have him in the game, two back sets, a lot of dump passes to him. He could have upwards of 85 receptions this year because they're probably going to need that in this offense the way it's structured.
1: I'll tell you this though. I think you know we talk about this on a, on another podcast that I do called Football Freestyle where we have tough conversations. I think we it's time for a tough conversation about the talent level of this receiving core in Baltimore if we're talking between Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace, and Brashard Perriman, I think we have our answer right there. It's going to be a problem uh, passing the football in Baltimore. We know Mike Wallace only catch deep balls, and that's sometimes. And then I don't know who thought or who said Brashard Perriman should be a first-round pick in that 2015 draft. So, And Jeremy Macklin probably is hurt right now as we we speak. So I I think that's an issue with their top three. Now, they do have some guys that they're bringing in. Uh, I, I thought... Quincy Bajo from uh, Ole Miss was outstanding at the East-West Shrine game, but we know they're not going to give the most talented player an opportunity to play receiver in Baltimore. They're going to find the worst one to, and let him get reps. So I think that's going to be the issue. I don't think they have that guy. I think they're in in uh, up-ish creek without a paddle. But I would say the one that can emerge would be Mike Wallace because
0: of his big playability. Well, I mean, I think those are some 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 good points. I actually look at a guy like Macklin and say, was he really used um, to his full potential in Kansas City? Um, because of the limitations of what Alex Smith does as a quarterback, um, he almost diminished the bit playability that um, Jeremy Macklin used to possess. And I, and so I look at I, I look at him now in an offense where there will be opportunities to push the ball down the field via play action and say that he could have one of those um, seasons where he reemerges if he's if he's really dedicated to um, trying to be the best wide receiver he can be. Um, so I think that um, we should be looking at Jeremy Macklin as a guy. Um, and, and, you know, maybe a lot of – I know E hates this, but if you're a fantasy guy, Jeremy Macklin in mid-rounds – isn't a bad little pickup um this year for this year for the Ravens, and I think that's going to be because of the the production he's going to have at wide receiver this year.
1: So now it's time to go around the room and and see what we think about the Baltimore Ravens as far as predictions are concerned. So starting with you, Gene, uh, where do you f- feel
0: as though Baltimore finishes in the AFC North? Oh gosh, um, North it, it, it's hard. I mean, it's a it's a two horse race in the North if you ask me. I don't think that the Ravens have enough, so I've got them finishing third.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put the Ravens third in in, in this division. Obviously, the Steelers and Bengals are, are, you know, the the direct competition for the for the title, and the Browns are still the Browns. So yeah, I, I'm going to put them third.
3: I I definitely agree with you too. Um, Browns are perennial perennial cellar dweller. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a two
4: team race with the Steelers and the Bengals. So Ravens are definitely third and. Capping it off, I agree. They're third. Uh, the funny part about the Browns, they're trending up, in my opinion, while the Ravens are kind of teetering. So I agree. It might be a cellar dweller soon.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do this year. You guys already have my prediction in the video above you. So that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating for Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this has been the Football Cypher on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network.